0: I'm Joe and the Old Testament reading is Exodus 4:10 through 13. Moses said to the Lord, "Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue." The Lord said to him, "Who gives human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute?" Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak. I will even teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Melissa, and the New Testament reading is found in Acts. 20, 22 through 24. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Oh. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Ryan. Please stand for the gospel reading. It's found in John seven, thirty-seven to thirty-eight. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them the gospel of our lord good morning as um evan said my name is brad if you've been here the last couple weeks i'm not a new face but if you've been away vacationing or traveling over the summer um, it's good to meet you in this very impersonal way in front of lots of crowds. Um, I'd love the chance to shake your hand. My wife and I uh, moved here about a year ago from California, and we upgraded our geographical location to the amazing state of Colorado. And uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can cheer for our state. Come on. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm so excited to continue on the series that um, started last week. Called God at Work, and this series for me is super important, number one, because I think it's interesting that we spend so much time at work, but we spend far too little time actually thinking at a deep level about our work, um, and I think we don't think about the big picture of work very much because we're too busy working, right? and so it's awesome to back up and perhaps Gain a new perspective on this thing that we do week in and week out, nine to five, punching our clock, doing what we do, and and perhaps see it a little bit more clearly from God's perspective. And so that's sort of been my heart, my prayer through the series that we'll all catch a clearer vision for what God has for us um, through our work. Um, We know that even a quick read of Genesis um, tells us that work isn't a result of sin. You may have heard it said that, you know, that's, yeah, we wouldn't have to work if it wasn't for the fall but we know that it's actually part of what god put in us that god himself is this worker he is about his business and that part of us bearing the image created in the image the imago dei right creating the image of god that we reflect who he is when we work god said that his creation was good but he didn't say that it was perfect god said his creation was good but that it wasn't complete and that it couldn't be further cultivated. And so God actually, in work, invites us to collaborate with him. It's a really exciting idea when we think about work from that lens, that we're actually jumping in with God to further cultivate what's right in front of us here on the planet. Last week, we attempted to to wrestle with this question how do we rediscover the joy, the meaning or the significance and the sacred nature of what we do? And so if you, if you happen to miss last week, I want to encourage you to log on to the website and check out the podcast because this is one of those series that's going to kind of build on itself as Glenn comes back next week and finishes out with week three and four. Um, before we jump in, I want, to, I want to just pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would, would whisper to us, and speak to us this morning. God, thanks for our kids, for our family, both our natural family and our spiritual family. God, we delight in knowing that we belong to you. And this morning, um, we just really want to hear from you, God. And so we ask the Holy Spirit that you would whisper to us specifically about our work specifically about our workplace and the people that we labor around. God, will you open our eyes so that we can see it as you see it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, you might be able to hear the campfire in my voice. Um, Yesterday, I came off a three-day camping trip with two other families. There were six adults and 13 children. So all the kids in the room today, uh, just like continuation of what I've been, you know, what the environment I've been in, craziness with kids. Um, we had an incredible time. We camped just outside of Aspen, and it's been a while since I've been to that part of our state, and it just blew my mind, the beauty of it. Um, there, and it was, it was interesting, as we got to camp, um, I was reminded of how many different little components there is to camping. Um, especially camping with kids. You know, you've got the safety component and there's, you know, fish to be caught, trails to be hiked, caves to be explored. Also, there is a lot of work that has to go into it, right? You got food, water, shelter. I mean, there's a lot going on. You're chopping wood at the same time as you're making s'mores and there's just a lot happening at the campsite. And one of the things that I noticed when we were camping was that there were tasks that we all naturally sort of defaulted to. Like, I'm sort of a pyro guy, secretly. I try to keep it down. But I, at a very early age, my mom, I don't, I'm not sure why, but she let me sort of play with fire in a controlled environment. <clears throat> I, again, I'm not sure why, but I love building the campfire. Like, no one messes with my fire, right? I build the perfect teepee, and all the kids are wanting to, you know, put their sticks in it, and I'm just like, guys... Let me have a moment with my fire because I want to build it just so. And then there were other people I noticed at camp where they were, they were about cleanliness. I mean, the smallest little, the leave no trace, like t-shirt right there. They're picking up every little thing. And it was all about the cleanliness and the order of the camp. Then there were some people who was like, we are going to have the most amazing meals on this trip because of me. I'm the cooker in this, you know, don't come near the little Coleman stove because that is my arena. And we all sort of defaulted towards this thing. The kids were like, there was like five of them that all they wanted to do was fish. It was like, where are are the kids? They're fishing. Where where are the kids? They're fishing. Don't even ask anymore. They're fishing. And so it was interesting to me that we all sort of had these things, but there were certain tasks that got neglected. For whatever reason, either they were unpleasant or they were hard. They just didn't get done very often. Like, for example, um, when the kids would get dirty, no one seemed very interested in handling the kids' dirty clothes. Go figure. You'd think someone on the camp go, ah, dirty clothes—that's my job. No, The girl got left it. Left. I think we can all relate to this in our own environment, whether it be in our home. Um, or at school, or in a social context, we all sort of, one, we default to sort of what we like to do, what's natural for us, and number two, there are certain tasks that often get left undone for whatever reason. Might be because it's a challenging task, might be because there's just no one that's particularly wired in that way. And I think it's true, not only in the various spheres of our life, like when we go camping or when we're at our house or whatever it is, but it can be true of us as the people of God. That there are certain things that just come very natural to us. When when you talk about what is the church here to do or be about, some of us are like, oh yeah, community. Sign me up for the potluck. I want to go and I want to meet every person that comes to our church. I want to know their dog's name, their catfish's name. I want to know their catfish. Did I say catfishes? Yeah, you all have pet catfish. You just didn't know it. Um, Wow. I don't know if I can go on after that. But for whatever reason in in the community of faith there are often things that sort of are just lying on the ground sitting there we even see this as we look at our individual churches, some churches seem to be way more focused on we are a discipling church, and therefore we will pray and read the scriptures, and we will meditate, and we will fast, and we will be you know go on solitude retreats, and we will be discipled. We will disciple. We will the spiritual disciplines. It's all about other churches. Again, it's all about the potlucking, the community, and other churches. It's all about we are going to serve one another, and other churches. It's like the worship, whoo, the worship, woo, yeah. That's where it's at, you know? And we see these different sort of emphasis within the body of Christ. And part of that isn't bad, that we together collectively make up the church worldwide. However, within each individual church, we know from Scripture that we are to hold true to the larger picture of what Christ calls his family, And I think you would agree with me that one of the tasks that we sort of maybe hesitate on, pull back from, is the task, the job, the purpose of sharing Jesus with those that don't know him. We're like, okay, every other part of what we're to be as the family, I'm in for. Let's do this. But when we talk about sharing Jesus with other people, there's something in most of us that goes, can't somebody else do that? Because I'd really like to build the fire. I want to focus all my time on building the perfect TP fire from scratch. Or I just want to set up the tent. Can't I just be the tent person? And yet... Over here, just sitting there, this sacred task, this sacred calling, this sacred purpose that God put inside of us to help other people find Jesus, and often it's the one that just sits there. This is nothing new, right? We all have a sense of hesitation. We saw it in our scripture reading in the Old Testament, Moses, right? God wants to invite him on the greatest adventure ever of delivering, of partnering with him to deliver the people of God from the oppression of the Egyptians. And he says, God, really? I, I, I can't, I'm not a communicator and I'm gonna have to be before Pharaoh in this grand court and talk. And do you know, do you know me, God? Can, you know, come on, just maybe not me, but like, I would be okay if you sent someone else. You know, I I would gladly volunteer one of my friends. We sort of see this reluctance, right? Moses going, ah, I don't know. Often the things that in life that we have a measure of hesitation about are often some of the most significant things that God is inviting us to be a part of some of the most adventurous things that God would have us put our hands to, we hesitate. Because there's an element of risk or fear, something that holds us back. It's interesting when you contrast the hesitation and the sit-back kind of excuse-making of Moses, who, by the way, is a foreshadow of Jesus, right? Because Moses, we know, ends up being the one that God uses to deliver his people. It's interesting that we Contrast Moses, how he started, with the boldness of Jesus. We read this in John 7. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. We miss a little in a casual reading of this scripture. First part says, on the last and greatest day of the feast. Well, what feast? It was actually the feast of tabernacles or Sukkot. And it was the feast of God's people to commemorate when God provided for them in the desert after they were delivered from Egypt. So it was was that time when Jesus, remember this, God, incredible things, when God was providing manna from heaven. Remember that? Fire by night, cloud by day. Moses, he struck the rock and water flowed out. I mean, incredible things. So this feast was so sacred, still is, to the Hebrew nation, the Feast of Tabernacles. So on the last and greatest day of the feast, what's going on there? Well, every single day during this feast, the priest would take out a golden pitcher and he would march around the altar seven times and then he would go out in front of the temple and he would pour it out, specifically to commemorate that moment again when Moses struck the rock and God provided water. On the last day, however, the priest would come out he would march around and instead of pouring any water out, they would pray for God to provide rain. It was in that moment that Jesus stood and said, "Let anyone who is thirsty come to me." Oh, what a crazy moment It would be one of the it would be as if someone stood up you know in in a, in a kind of a a somber, reflective moment in a church service said, Come to me, I am the one you need. And we'd be like, What? I mean, we would take us back. This boldness of Jesus to declare, Look, I'm the one who provided the manna. I'm the one who provided the cloud and the fire. I'm the one who provided the water from the rock. It's me. And now I have come to satisfy the desires, the deepest desires of every living person. I have come to quench the longing of the human heart. That's boldness. Jesus was there declaring, he is the answer. So we see these two sort of characters contrasted. And I, I wonder, what will be true of our life? Will we sort of give in to this hesitation of, I don't know, or will we model, will we bear the image of Jesus and learn in our context to just simply say to people in a relational way, Jesus has come to satisfy you. If you work in corporate America or you're a stay-at-home mom and you know the ladies in your neighborhood, you know that people are thirsty. You see it and you hear it. You see it in their pursuit of other things that they think will fulfill them. So as I was preparing for this message, I was left wrestling with this simple question, how do I step into or how do I further step into my role as God's image bearer in my workplace? What would that look like? For me to reflect the boldness of Jesus and take steps towards sharing who he is, that he, in fact, is the one that can satiate, that can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. The first, thing I, the first way I sort of answered this as I wrestled was, we have to believe that we are God's plan to reveal what he's like to others. You know, you, you could ask, what's God's plan to reveal who he is to the people in my workplace? Hmm. It's you! <laughs> You're the plan! And maybe you've never thought of it like that. But be, as a Christ follower, as an image bearer of God, you are God's plan to reach the people at your workplace. Plain and Simple. For some of us, that's a real paradigm shift because it's frankly just been sitting over here, right? This idea of being involved in people's process of meeting Jesus sort of been over here. And we've been busy about our work, but not busy about the work. Title of my message this morning is Job One Our first and perhaps greatest job at our job is to simply bear the image of Jesus to those around him those around you to reflect who he is in roman culture you could not go anywhere without seeing the image of caesar it was on coins it was on decorations in the home it was on buildings it was everywhere and it was so that the people there could not imagine, the Roman people could not imagine a life outside of the empire. It was simply there to reinforce the empire is life. We are the empire. It, it rules and reigns. And we as an alternative community, as followers of Jesus in a fallen world, we too must bear the image wherever we are. See, from here we scatter out all over the city. Monday morning, we're all over the place. What if we said, yes, job one, God. I want to take what I thought was job one, and I want to put it at job two, and I want to put what I thought was job two at job one. And I want to bear your image, Jesus. I want to show people what you're like in my workplace. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if we stepped into that? Look at this scripture, Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 17. The first part of this scripture, we'll, we'll, you'll recognize. You might not be as familiar with the second half. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I don't know about you, but where it says, as though God were making his appeal through us, that scripture gives me a sense of, of responsibility. Like, whoa, you mean you want to make your appeal to the world through me? And this is where I kind of go back to Moses. Like, do you know me, God? You want to make your appeal your sacred, holy appeal to the world, that you're the savior of the world, that you're the forgiver of all sins, that you're the almighty God, you want to make your appeal through this person? Brad Baker? (laughs) I don't know. God says yes. It's so cool that God not only invites us into the family, but he says, I want you to be a part of the family business. I want you to share in my work of reaching people, Jesus said he'd come to seek and save the lost. I think of that moment in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings. I'm kind of a Lord of the Rings nerd. You need to know that about me on this last of three Sundays. It's very important. But I think of that moment when Frodo realizes he's the ring bearer. You know that he's the one to take the ring of power to Mount Mordor, right? I told you I was a nerd. And he has this moment where he's like, "I I carry this this thing that, and a lot hangs in the balance." And I, he wrestled with it. At times, he he didn't want he didn't want it. Right? Ugh. Just let Gollum have the ring, and I'll go. I'll just go back to the Shire and kick back. But yet, there was something in him that says, "No." I think the same is true of the God wants to say, "Look." I want to put a mantle of joy and responsibility upon you that a lot hangs in the balance with how you choose to walk out your life around other people, that I want to make my appeal to you. So the second thing, how do we step into our role as God's image bearers? Second thing, and this one one I like because it causes us to think through some nuances. We humbly resist any work culture that contradicts kingdom culture. See, one of the things that, just a reminder, it's family Sunday, so, yeah. When we go to our workplaces, one of the ways that we bear the image of God sometimes is by silent, humble resistance. So look at this scripture in Philippians 2. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure." Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of truth. What I like there is Paul's connection between, hey, look, we're not going to grumble and we're not going to argue. And that's going to be a part of what makes us shine. So you might think about part of your image bearing or helping people see who God is is by resisting simply some of the things that go on in your workplace that are work culture, but they definitely are not kingdom of God culture. Right? And sometimes... Us just saying, I'm not going to participate. I put the word humble in there because we don't want to be at the people at our workplace like, yeah, those people over there, they're just, you know, they're wicked and they're, they gossip and on their breaks they go and smoke like five cigars and I don't want any part of that. You know what I mean? Like we can become those people and we ourselves are sort of gossiping and, you know, it's just, uh, but a humble resistance to say, I'm going to, I'm going to abstain from some of the things that I see happening in my workplace because... That contradicts who I know Jesus to be. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in in any sort of environment, it's easy for me just to kind of click in and go with the flow. And without even knowing it, I have crossed over some lines. What would it look like for you to resist work culture, humbly, where it contradicted Jesus' culture? What would that look like for you? I bet that people would be able to see and notice a difference in you. You know that scripture where Paul says, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that lies inside of you? What I like about that is scripture is that it assumes that people are asking. Right? So you go, why are people asking? Well, maybe it's because we've just gotten comfortable. And sometimes us just saying, you know what, I'm going to, not that we pull back from people, but we pull back from some of the things that may be happening, right? Maybe it's an unethical issue at work that you've just sort of been like, well, you know, we can do one of these, call it good. And instead you're there to say, you know what, I need to, I'm going to humbly resist this unethical practice of my company because it's not what Jesus is like. And a lot hangs at stake. A lot hangs in the balance. The next thing, how do we step into our role? Is that we need to take full advantage of the simple things to show God's kindness. Some of us shy away from evangelism because we have made it far too complicated. We think of evangelism only as that moment of, you know, someone overbearing being like, do you know where you're going if you die tonight? You know, that's what we think of as evangelism, right? We're like, I don't want any part of that. Or the guy in the bullhorn on the, you know, street corner. <laughs> Sinners are going to, you know, whatever. You know, just like, ah. What if we saw evangelism casting the seeds of the gospel of saying, hey, hey, can I, uh, can I grab you a cup of coffee? Because I'm going to the coffee maker right now. What if it started there, Right? What if we just simply said, I am willing to serve those around me and show kindness to people? What if that was part of our role as image bearers, right? Jesus said that he came to serve, right? He humbled himself, took on the nature of a servant, humbled himself even to death on a cross, right? Now, granted, we won't have to physically die, but... Jesus said, take on the nature of a servant and maybe die to some comforts in the workplace so that people can see what I'm like, right? It's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's his kindness that leads people to change their mind, to change their direction. What if we became people that just simply said, I'll do the simple things, the mundane things. I'll listen, I'll acknowledge people, I'll celebrate people, I'll ask about people, I'll serve people practically, What if our process in helping people find Jesus started with a cup of coffee? We overlook that, right? One of the things I was thinking about is that we need to assume that we're a part of the process of helping those in our workplace come to know Jesus. However, we shouldn't assume our specific role in making that happen. Very important. See, some of us, probably few of us, we just want to be the deal closer with people, right? We want to be that person like, okay, you ready to pray? Okay, this moment of conversion, just like, and, and we're really sort of bold about sharing the gospel and blah, 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 and we're right there. And so we've assumed that we're the one to Win them, whatever that means, right? Or we're on the other end of the spectrum and we go, you know what? I'm just here to never say anything about Jesus, but I am going to, all I'm going to do is, is to serve, right? We've assumed that this is our role. Most of us, if you're like me, you're over here. You're like, you know, that, that'll happen down the road. There's this process, and we should assume that we're to be involved in it. But God may have us over there, God may have us over here, or God may have us here. We don't know. But we're to specifically say, God, what is it? When is that moment where I'm gonna supposed to take my coworker out and say to them, Can I just share like a little bit about how I came to to believe in this Jesus person? Just want to share my story with you. It's probably more like right here, right? God will, if you you ask, God will put those nudgings on your heart. It's beautiful. He he loves, he loves the people that don't know him at your workplace. Sometimes you just start saying, God, give me your heart. Help me, because right now I don't love any of these people. (laughs) These people drive me crazy. God, give me your heart to see them. The last one is this. How do we step into our role as image bearers we share openly and genuinely about Jesus in our everyday conversation. Our New Testament reading out of Acts, where Paul essentially says, I consider my life worthless unless I finish, right? It was like proclaiming. There was this definite emphasis on declaration. I think one of the easiest ways that, that we can infuse God's heart is simply to be really genuine, about who he is in our life around non-believers. A lot of times we think, oh, I need to be sensitive, and we err on the side of being overly sensitive, so much so that we never say anything, right? And that's actually disingenuous. So, for example, if someone says to you, well, how did you end up at this job? How did you end up here? And part of the process of you getting there was that you and your spouse or you and your friends prayed and you felt like God led you to this, well, you have one of two options when your coworker, non-believing coworker, asks you that question. You can say, oh, you know, it just was a great move for me, and, you know, this is a move up, and uh, here I am, and I'm awesome. Or you can say, well, you know, like, my, my, my wife, my friends, we were just praying for a job and asking God to provide, and, like, he really fully feel like he led us here. What? A lot of us, like, you want me to, you don't, do you know my coworker and how they would react you're just sprinkling, right? This is who God is to me. It's it's very non-threatening for most people. For you to just be like, "Oh yeah," or throughout the day, you're like, "Oh, that reminds me of like something I heard at church on Sunday and this scripture, blah blah blah." And all of a sudden, you've been, you've you very in a very genuine way, like it genuinely came to your mind, and you're like, you could share it in a, in a, in a very relational, conversational way. What if we just started actually doing that? What if we just so it wasn't like 2 years down the road, you ever had this happen where you're like you've been working for someone with someone for 2 years and you're like, "Oh my gosh, you're a Christian? You're a Christian too?" And 2 years you've worked side by side and both of you were like, you know, not willing, you know, you've segregated sort of, "Here's my church faith life and here's my work life." Guess what? Kingdom culture is a full integration of those two things. Kingdom culture is should be all of our all that we are. Every interaction, every sphere Jesus' kingdom culture should be our reality. This is really an exciting invitation to us from Jesus to collaborate with him. Some of us are so bored at our jobs because job one is somewhere down here, and we're just focused on work, and God's saying, you want to infuse some excitement back into your job? Get the order correct. Make job one, job one. Dust it off. I'm going to be the image bearer of Jesus in this place. Oh, okay. Now we're talking, right? Some of us are so bored with life. Because we've left behind the work of Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. And he's simply saying, come be a part. You're already in the family. Come be a part of the family business. There will be such excitement and contentment that comes. Today as we come to the table, we come remembering, we come celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus, so that we could taste who he is, that we could know him intimately. As we take communion today, we, we remember that in us, in, in Jesus bringing us into the family, he then turns us right around and says, now go, I commission you. Take this, take my life, take my substance to a starving world take all that I am. Do you believe that Jesus is life? Do you believe that he can satisfy the desires, the deepest desires of the human heart? If you do, then he says, go. Bear witness to it. Wherever you go, bear witness to it in your workplace.